mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. This is a present time prophecy. Can you see it all around you? The evidence is everywhere. Can you sense that something has changed in the world culture? And it's not changing for the better. In fact, the bad is getting worse. People aren't getting better and better. People are getting worse and worse. People all over the world are becoming more self-absorbed, cold, callous, angry, and violence is everywhere. Attitudes and behaviors that were shocking and unthinkable not too long ago are now they seem to be taking on some kind of normalcy. Do you remember? It wasn't that long ago that we would hear something, hear, see some headline like what you saw earlier, and you would be like, no way did that happen. And now, it's like, well, yeah, that, that, that same thing happened yesterday. Things like common courtesy. Do you remember those days? Common courtesy, decency, cordiality. How about, do you remember the days when there was just respect for your fellow man? Where did that go? Our world is very broken and in trouble. And you guys, I believe that it's just not, well, isn't that coincidental that things are getting worse and worse? And Paul says it would, no, 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 no. I believe we are living in the last days. We are actually 
living in what Paul described as the terrible times of the last days. And that's pretty depressing that we have to see that and are going to see it worsen. The knowledge of that fact that it's going to worsen is pretty depressing. But I want you to look at this because in 2 Timothy 3.13, Paul said that while you and I are trying to live godly lives in this world, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So, what we're reading in 2 Timothy is Paul's description of end times people. The description of the people that are going to be alive on the planet just before the tribulation period comes. And he's talking about terrible times are coming during that time, and then while you're still trying to live righteously, which means we're here for all of it, they will go from bad to worse, and things will get even worse than what he previously described. Hard to swallow, isn't it? This stark reality that this is happening and we're actually living out Paul's prophetic truth. When you wake up to that fact, it's pretty shocking to us and hard to swallow that we're, we're living in the middle of what Paul wrote about 2,000 years ago was going to happen. And this prophecy is pre-rapture and pre-tribulation, which means the church of Jesus Christ is not going to escape this worsening of humanity that we're experiencing right now. And it's gonna get worse and worse and worse, and then Jesus is going to rapture his church. It makes me ask the question, why? Why are things gonna get worse and worse? What's happening with our world? What's wrong with us? Why do people, if you look at the, like, the overall scope of a person's life, you know, when we're born into this world, we're like little innocent babies, right? What, what's happening when supposedly you're born into this world and all of a sudden, over some time, as, as time has gone on, you get to become a 39-year-old grandma beater, what happens in that time frame there? Anybody know who Stephen Jenkins is? Of course you don't. You don't hang with guys like this. Last year, 39-year-old Stephen Jenkins brutally attacked a 75-year-old grandma as she was walking down the street to the market on Market Street in San Francisco. Middle of the day, broad daylight, just minding her own business, he walks up behind her and he slams her in the face so hard that both of her eyes swell and she starts bleeding from the eyes. Who does that? What is going on that a, a 39-year-old man would go unprovoked, unprovoked, sorry, unprovoked, without warning, 
without mercy, come up behind a 75-year-old grandma and punch her in the face. Makes you mad, doesn't it? Now, I'm just gonna get off, just take a side note here because there's another part of the story. What Stephen Jenkins didn't know was that he was messing with the wrong grandma. Bleeding from the eyes, she looked around, picked up a piece of wood and decided to use it as a bat and she beat him senseless. <laughs> okay, don't go out of church and say, Phil said get a bat and start beating people senseless. But she beat him so bad, bleeding from the eyes, that at the end of it all, it was grandma standing with a bat over the body of 39-year-old Stephen Jenkins in a stretcher as they hauled him off. Thank God for grandmas like her. Okay, so keep the picture there. What is wrong with him? What is his problem? Who does that? Well, people like you and me without Jesus. If I were to explain to you what's going on, you might ask me a question like, so are, are human beings basically good or are they fundamentally evil? Well, there's the question, isn't it? Isn't it? That's the question. Sociologists and psychiatrists for centuries have been trying to figure out. Are people of the earth basically good or are they fundamentally evil? You know, if they would just pick up the Bible, in just a couple of seconds, they would be able to find the answer to that question instead of having to go through all the research for centuries to figure it out and still don't have the answer. It's right here. Can I just say something? This is the commercial for the Bible. <laughs> this Bible is truth, absolute truth, inerrant truth. You can trust it to say and speak to everything in your life and everything in our world. And it has something to say about everything. If only people knew that, they could save themselves a lot of heartache. They could save themselves a lot of time. They could save themselves a lot of hard taxpayer money if they would just pick up the Bible and go to places like Romans chapter 3, verse 10 where it says there is no one righteous. See, the scriptures are clear that the fundamental foundational problem in hum of humanity is something called sin. That's what's wrong with us. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one, get this now, hear it, there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all 
together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Just take a break from the passage there for a second. I just need to say something to you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person. All have turned away from God. No one is seeking after God. Some of the looks on your faces are like, what? Nope. That's the beauty of the gospel. God comes and finds you in your lost state, knowing that you're lost, knowing that you're in the darkness, knowing that you cannot save yourself and you can't do anything about it because of his great love for you, God sent his son to find you. God sent his son, Jesus, to come and die on a cross for you so that you can be saved. That's because he loves you. He came to you. Jesus Christ loved you so much that he laid down his life. No one took my life from me, he said. I lay it down willingly, sacrificially loving you to give my life and shed my blood so that you can be saved. And then God, the Holy Spirit, came to you in your darkness, came to you in your deafness, came to you in your blindness, and said, wake up, sinner. I have good news for you. Jesus made a way. And he draws your heart into understanding the gospel, and you wake up to that, and you become a changed person. No one seeks after God. That's the wonder of the gospel is that he comes to you. Bible says, let's keep on reading, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I want to ask you the question, can you see this happening in our world right now? Can you see We're living out the truth of God's scripture. We're living out this prophetic word that is going to happen. We're in it right now. This passage in Romans 3 is describing the condition of every human being. Our problem is not that we live in a sinful world. Our problem, okay, hear me, stay with me, okay? Our problem, contrary to popular thought, Our problem isn't the bad things happened to us somewhere in our past or bad people did bad things to us and as a result, we're warped and we've lost our decency, which is what the world, Stephen Jenkins, 39 Stephen Jenkins is sitting in prison right now where he stood before a judge sometime, I guarantee, and said, it's not my fault. I couldn't help it. If my dad or my mom or the kid on the playground or whatever happened in my life back here, and listen, are you hearing me? I am not being insensitive to horrible things that are happening to people in their world. But the horrible things that happened to us in our past, though it marks us and mars us and scars us, is not the excuse for our fallen nature. It's not the excuse for our sinfulness. We're all gonna stand before the Lord someday and give an account of our lives. 
And at that day, you better have been right with God through Jesus Christ. Our problem is that we are fundamentally flawed, irreparably broken. You want a theological term for it? Right out of scripture, we are desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Romans 5, 12 said that this happened at your time of birth. What? Yep. You're born with this problem. Anybody with like a newborn in the family right now, like under a year old? You should be proud of that. Okay, one over here. Anybody else? One over here. Okay, you do know that your precious little baby is a wicked little sinner. (laughs) You know that at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Can I just tell you, we come out of our womb screaming, and we're like, oh, how precious. That scream is, give me what I want. And I'm not going to stop screaming until you give me what I want. That's just reality. Phil, quit talking about children like that. It's just truth. They're still precious. They are little creations of God. But we're born in sin. Where'd you see that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Romans 5, 12. When Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. Now, he should have known that. God told him that. If you eat of that tree, you can eat of anything else, but don't eat of that tree. When you eat of that tree, you will surely die. What does Satan say to him? You will not surely die. God knows that as soon as you eat of that tree, you're gonna know everything he knows, and he doesn't want you to know everything he knows. You're not gonna die, total lie. When they disobeyed and ate the fruit sin entered the world and with sin came death and death spread to every human being because everyone has sinned sinfulness in the world isn't new I mean one pastor wrote about it like this world history is an album of infamy how true is that statement But Paul makes it clear there, there is a jump-off point of no return return where humans all over the world, right before the tribulation, will go from bad to worse. Go back with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. These evil times, Paul said, will be marked by self-love. Look at verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves And the result will be they will be lovers of money. And they will be boastful. Why? Because they're full of themselves. And they will be proud. Why? Because they love themselves. And they will be abusive. What? What? Abusive? Follow self-love? Absolutely. When self-love becomes the theme of the day before the tribulation period, like it is now, our world will be full of people who are full of themselves, and when you are full of yourself, you have no room for anyone else in your life. In fact, you become 
boastful and proud, and the result is a life that uses and abuses everyone around you because you believe that everyone in your world exists to please you and to serve you. That's what self-loving people do with the people around them. And even the nice things they do for you are a way to get you to do nicer things for them because that's the way of the world. And that will grow worse and worse as we get to the end here. And the natural result of all this kind of self-love, interestingly, is the disintegration of the family unit. Look at the very next words in 2 Timothy 3, 2, 2b. What will happen next? Disappoint, disobedient to parents. He's not talking about adults being disobedient to their parents. What I believe happens when people are full of themselves and self-love their children will become full of themselves. And when your children are full of yourselves, your children will be disobedient to their parents. They will be ungrateful. They will be unholy. They will be without love. They'll be unforgiving. They'll be slanderous and without self-control. Paul is saying there will be an increase of rebellion against all of authority, and it begins in the home. Our children will take on the posture of those raising them. And the result will be an unholy nation an increase in rebellion, disrespect, and disregard for any control over their lives. And if you doubt that, just ask any local elementary teacher today. <laughs> it happens in a Christian school. No, it does not. Yes, it does. You know why? We got a bunch of little sinners in there. Listen, when you are full of self-love, which the world will get grow increasingly in, then you will neglect what you need to give to your children. Because of your self-love, you will withhold the hard thing for your children that they need in order to be raised properly. A child left to himself will come to ruin. That's exactly right. But because we love ourselves in our culture today, we're not gonna discipline our children. We're not gonna tell them no. We're gonna give them everything they want because of course if we give them everything they want, then they'll be happy and that'll make us happy. And that's what we're all about. How's that going for us? Yeah. I'm sorry, I got a little cranked up on that one. So people will be in love with themselves. The result of that will be the disintegration of the family and that will always result in moral rot in a nation and in the world. Look at verse three, the second half of verse three. People will be brutal, not lovers of the good. They will be treacherous, rash, conceited, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is what pre-tribulation people will look like. This is what we, I believe, are experiencing and why we're experiencing the horrible and shocking things that we're seeing in our culture worldwide. So the question is this, how do we live in the midst of all this? How do we live in these last days? When we, the living Church of Jesus Christ, have to live through the worsening of humanity. How do we do that? I will start with this. Jesus isn't interested at all in his people just surviving or hiding 
or coasting through until he comes back. That would be a huge mistake for the church of Jesus Christ. On the contrary, Jesus is commanding us and expecting us to thrive and shine the light of his word through it. And he expects us to shine with greater intentionality and intensity and actually outpace the speed of the world's decline into darkness. As the world is going deeper and deeper into darkness, we are supposed to shine brighter and brighter with the gospel and righteousness of God in our lives. And we do that by, if you want to go to your notes, we do that by remembering who we were. Jesus actually told the church at Ephesus, remember who you were when I found you. That's what he said in Revelation 2, 5. Hey, you guys want some good news? Yes. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 8 says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. But Paul wanted to, us to remember it's good for us to remember that we used to be children of darkness and now we are children of light. In fact, he told the Corinthian church that they used to be like everyone else in the world, groping around in darkness and participating in the deeds of darkness. And he says, you used to be like that, but look at 1 Corinthians 6, 11. But you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You have been translated from the darkness into light. Look at how Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And my friends, when that happens, it's called the light of Christ. And he promised that if you will follow him, you will not walk in darkness, but you will walk in our new reality. I've been praising the Lord all week. We had five people get saved last week at the end of the service. We had, we, I was able to come, one guy, Travis, came down here to the front. And this is what he said to me. He said, Phil, for the last four weeks, you have been preaching right to me. If you think that that happens, good. No. I, I'm not preaching right to him. But he said, everything you were saying was spoken right to me in the last four weeks. I have been going out there and I stop at the doors and I turn back and I look at you and say, I need to go down there and talk to him and I need to give my heart to Jesus, but I chicken out and I leave. He said, but not today. I'm coming down here and I'm gonna give my heart to Jesus. <laughs> he, and we talked about it. We said, listen, brother, you are now a child of light. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You're now a new creation. You have the Holy Spirit of God to help you walk in the light as he is in the light. Yeah. I had one sister come down, she's a sister, because last week she gave her heart to Jesus online at home. She came down here right after the first service. She said, my name's Rochelle, I just wanna meet you and I just wanna tell you that I gave my heart to Jesus at home last week online. And I said, man, I am so excited. Can I, let's go tell some people. And so we went and told, tell some people. And so we told my daughter, Amber, and she says, you know what? I'm so different now. She said, there's a person at work that I really couldn't stand. And I prayed for her. And I was nice to her this week. 
she's going to get saved because of me. I'm like, yes, she is. If you keep living the light, if you keep living the way Christ wants you to live, she will. Because that's how it works. As things get worse and worse and worse. Walking in our new reality means that we are living and walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Ephesians 5, 8, and 10. Paul says, you were once in darkness, now you're in light, so live as children of light. You're different now, live differently, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. When you come to Christ, you're a different creation, you're different, you are supposed to walk in that new reality. The increasing darkness, hear me now, has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. The increasing darkness has no place in the hearts of the people of the church of Jesus Christ. We are to live differently from all others in the world. And let me just tell you, you are deceiving yourselves to think that you, if you think that you can live with one foot in both camps, it's impossible. We talked about that last week. You better really look at your life and, re- and find out whether you're in Christ or not and examine yourself if you're still living in the world because you will no longer live like the people of the world because you are now a child of light. And the natural result of people that are in the light will be that they will produce fruit. Now, will we still mess up and sin? Absolutely. Will we be, have times that we're not as fruitful as, as we, normal? Yes, but if you're not producing any fruit, you're probably not in Christ. Because you will, because you are now a child of light, you will live and you will walk in goodness and righteousness and truth. And you will produce fruit. The Holy Spirit will produce fruit in you and through you. It will change the way we live. We're supposed to walk in goodness, according to Paul here in Ephesians 5. We live our lives in a way that is worthy of our calling, Ephesians 4. Live like a, in a way that's worthy of the calling that you have. Be imitators of God. People of God no longer live for themselves. They, need, they no longer love themselves the way the rest of the world does. Rather, they live a life of sacrificial love instead of self-love. Having the same attitude towards others and themselves as Jesus Christ did. We do nothing out of selfish ambition anymore or vain conceit. We look to serve the needs of those people that are living around us. We walk in goodness. We walk in righteousness, he says. You know, 2 Timothy 2.22 says this. I love this verse. Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness. I think it's safe to say, and we all understand, that righteousness is on the, in the opposite direction of your youthful lusts, correct? And we are told here that we are to flee from our youthful lusts. That literally means, in the Greek, run for your lives from your youthful lusts. And while you're running, Paul says, run into the arms of righteousness. Hunt down righteousness. Run for your lives from your evil desires and hunt down righteousness. That's what the people of God do. We walk in righteousness. We walk in goodness. And we walk in truth. So um, we're living in a crisis of truth right now, worldwide. We live in a world that is trying to peddle 
relativism instead of absolutism. Any of you see the exchange between Senator Marsha Blackburn and the Supreme Court nominee, Ketanji Jackson, this week? Anybody see that? Okay, well, if you didn't, I brought it along. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not. The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Are we confused? Are we, are we in a debate? Okay, see, here's the problem. This is just a little, little tiny piece of what's going on in our world and in our culture right now. But it's pretty fundamental to the United States of America because, you know, we're not worrying about whether or not she's qualified to be dog catcher in Washington, D.C. This woman is a nominee to the highest court in our land whose job it is to define truth and define law and to define our Constitution. Come here. Yeah, you. Come on. Stand up. Come over here. Come over here. Come here. Come here. No, not you. Not this time. Okay. Which one is a woman? Very good. Thank you very much. All right. Do we need to have a debate about this? I mean, we're talking fundamental stuff here. We're talking about a redefining of truth in our world right now. But you're not allowed to call it out, are you, Phil? Well, yes, I can. You know why? Because... I'm supposed to call out truth. I'm supposed to walk in truth. I mean, let me read Marsha Blackburn's words again for you. The fact that you cannot give me a straight answer. We're talking about a Supreme Court justice here. Please define woman. Oh, that's easy. An adult female is the definition of a woman. I can't. What do you mean you can't? I'm not a biologist. <laughs> you know what somebody texted me after the first service? They texted me a woman asking her husband, is it raining? He goes, I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. And they're in the downpour. 
The fact that you cannot give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. It's getting worse and worse. And the world is trying to redefine truth, but my friends, we know what truth is. We are the people of truth because we follow the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth is what sets people free. I didn't even know who Voltaire was until today, until this week. Okay, I'm not a philosopher. He was a French philosopher. And this is what he said. If they can make you believe absurdity, they can make you do atrocities. And as I read his writing on that, what he is saying is, if people in the world can redefine what God has written in your mind, your God-given mind, if they can get you to believe what you know to be opposite, then they can change the heart of you, the God-given heart that is in you to do things you would never do. Because they change the definition. And if they can get you to believe the absurdity, are we in that right now? They can get you to do the atrocity. Because once your mind changes, it will change your heart. And when your heart changes, you do the things that are stored up in your heart. How do you think Hitler got a bunch of Germans to go along with his horrible horrifying plan how do you think Putin is getting good-hearted Russians to do the things that the the sins to humanity that he is doing and get at their Putin's not out there shooting people how because they've changed the narrative and they changed the what these people know to be true and have them believe the lie so that they will do the atrocity it's happening and will happen. And when that's happening in an increasing fashion and, and pace, the church is supposed to rise above that and walk in truth like never before. Paul tells us that we're to always speak the truth in love. And when we do, we will grow up in all things in Christ who said, I have come to bear witness of the truth. He is the truth, and we are in him, and he is in us, and therefore we are to declare and walk in truth in the midst of a world who's trying to define the truth. So Jesus was the truth, and he came to bear witness of the truth. And what did they do to him? They killed him for it. What's, what's the name, the one thing that Jesus did that sinned against somebody else? Name the one thing that he offended anybody with except the truth. And the world was so offended by his truth, him being the truth, and speaking into their darkness, that they killed him and said, let's get rid of this guy. And Jesus is the one who said, hey, you know what, guys, they hated me, they're gonna hate you too. Why? Because you are light bearers. And you are to be walking in truth. And when you walk in goodness, and when you walk in righteousness, and you walk in truth, they will hate you for it. All of those who wanna live God, they're gonna suffer persecution. The Bible is clear. When we walk in the truth, we live and breathe the truth, then we will finally expose the darkness. 
You guys okay? I'm like way over time already. And Can I just finish it? I'll try to hurry. Call the restaurant so you're going to be a little late. This is so critical. Ephesians 5.11, and yet so controversial. Okay? I'm just going to say that on the front end. Paul says in Ephesians 5.11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. How do you expose the darkness? By walking in goodness, walking in righteousness, and walking in the truth. My mom and dad used to say whenever I was trying to negotiate what time I had to come in for curfew at night, on a Friday night or something, this is what they would always say. Because I would like, can I come home at 12.15? Can I come home at 12.30? They would always say, nothing good ever happens after midnight. You do know the cockroaches come out in the dark. And what do they do when you turn the light on? Do you know that that's a biblical concept? Jesus said this in John 3, 19, people love darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5, 12 about this, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. When you come to Jesus, you actually become the light. You're just not walking towards the light. And our job as light bearers is to shine our lights into the darkness. Hear me now. We are to be truthers. And when we're truthing it by the way that we live, and we have to do it in love. We don't do it in a condescending, condemning way. And when we do it, we will expose the darkness, but they won't like it. Though we are no longer of those dwelling in the darkness, we are still living among them And when we're walking in goodness, righteousness, and truth and expose their darkness, they will hate us for it. But hear me, that is not a bad thing. That does not mean that we should stop exposing the darkness. We're commanded to expose it. And we do it by the way that we live. By the way that we live and the word of our mouth. Because the word of our mouth contains the word of truth, the word of God. The reason I say they, they won't like it, but their darkness needs to be exposed so that they can see their way out. It is the light of Christ in us that illuminates the hearts of those bound by sin and living in darkness, groping around like we used to be. The truth of the gospel in us is what brings them to light. If we avoid it and we don't step into our role in that because we're afraid that they won't like us, I can't tell you how many people are saying to me, 
You can't say that because they won't like you, and if they don't like you, they won't listen to you. That is so backwards. That's what Satan wants us to believe. You speak the truth in love to people, and the Holy Spirit will take the truth and enlighten them into the light and bring them out of their darkness. That's what we're supposed to do. Live such good lives, Peter says, among the, belie- the unbelievers. Don't miss this. Wake up. If, you, if, you're, if you're asleep, we're almost done. Wake up to, right now. <laughs> Though they accuse you of doing wrong... What? Let's do that again. Live such good lives among the believers, unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, anybody relating to this with me? How many times are we being told in our culture today that when we speak the truth and we shine our light, that it's wrong, that you guys are not loving people, that you guys are being mean. You need to stop it. What you're doing is wrong. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You guys, we live in a very broken world. The message today is that we live in a world of self-centered, self-absorbed, self-indulgent people and it's going to get worse. And Paul warns us that these last days, he uses the word perilous, the times will be perilous. You know what perilous means? I looked it up. Imminent risk of disaster and ruin. Our society will go from bad to worse. But hear me, as long as we are still alive, here on earth, shining our lights, We, the people of God, are holding back the evil in the world long enough for more people to come to Jesus. That's why we're still here. Otherwise, we'd be home with Jesus. We're people of hope and not despair in these declining times. Though it's depressing, we are not to be depressed in the middle of these times. We can radiate God's love and his grace and we can offer hope and life when there is death all around us. Listen to me, hear me. Before the foundations of the earth were laid, you, my friends, you who are the believers sitting here in this room, hearing my voice, hearing my voice at home, you have been chosen to live for such a time as this. You have been chosen to live through the fulfillment of the prophecy of the last times people. And the reason is because God has entrusted the gospel to you. He knows he can entrust it to you. He knows you will do the work of walking in goodness, walking in righteousness, and walking in the truth to bring many people to Christ through this time. It won't be easy to live through this humanitarian decline and crisis that Paul has told us about. But it will be possible to shine even in the darkest of times.
What you just witnessed are a group of Ukrainian believers in a bus or a van or a truck, whatever they're in right now, running for their lives. Are they weeping in despair? Are they giving up? No, they are not. They are drawing strength from the truth of God's word. The words that they are singing, which is a song you all know, are these, hide me now under your wings. Cover me within your mighty hand. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. Listen, church, in this time of humanity's decline, the church of Jesus Christ is to rise and shine. Rise. Come on, rise and shine. God's people don't despair in times like this. We put our hope in God, and many others will find that same hope through our light shining in the darkness.
what God's people do. Be praying for them. Pray for deliverance. Pray for strength. But pray for power. Pray for the power of of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up in them to be the light in that darkness that he's called them to be. Victoria and Dima, can you guys come on down here? So, Victoria and Sophia. Sophia, you want to come too? Yes, you do. Come on. They're leaving on Thursday to go um, to Ukraine. So, I'm going to have you guys just come right down here. And you can do one of two things. Because we're going to try to connect you to how you can help. I don't even know all the details, okay? But you can come down here and you can connect with Dima and and Victoria. We're super proud of you guys. uh, for willing Come right down here. Right into the light. And um, we love you guys, and we're going to be praying for you. We will. And we're going to be asking God to do some powerful things through you as you go. Um, but if you want to come down here and, like, exchange information, ask some questions on how you can help, let's just, we're just, they said they'll do that. If you want to just give us your name and information at the desk um, on your way out, you can do that too. And we're going to send something out as to how you can get involved, Okay. Yes. Can I have a minute? 
Cheers. <laughs> Give me one second. Victoria says she wants a minute. I don't think, I think it's going to be more than a minute. Okay, I just, uh, I just want to read so you can understand what people are going through. It's just a little testimony what people are going through and what we're going to experience in Poland in refugee camps because uh, me and my daughter personally going to work with refugees in a refugee camp and um, they they all of them they're lost they're lost they lost everything their houses some people ran in just clothes what they what they had on them um, no money no food um, I mean, no housing, they lost everything. They don't know what to do. And uh, um, maybe somebody, I'll try to read in English. <laughs> Hopefully you can understand. <laughs> um, or somebody maybe, can you read or? Thank you. I have a microphone, so. Okay. That's the. We spent 15 days in total occupation near Gaston. Gaston. We stayed 14 nights in the unheated basement where the temperature was 5 degrees Celsius. On the second day, the connection was lost. On the third the night, the light was lost. Without light, without gas, without heating, without medicine, without gasoline, we were cut off from the whole world. We couldn't leave. They didn't let us out. A family was shot in a nearby village. The friend was killed when we was conducting food to civilians. My friend's mom died these days. She was taken out and put on a bench in a long, in a bag. And she hasn't even been buried yet. Yeah, we can just keep on going. And this is huge, guys. This is, they're li I actually feel guilty today. Um, we have so much. And we're here in our warm church praising Jesus, and I, I'm so thankful for that. But it almost feels guilty doing that when they're suffering the way that they are. They're living the results of what we talked about today. And so um, I'm going to dismiss. We've got to get everybody going, get their kids and everything. But just if you want to come on down here um, and connect with Victoria and Dima, let's do whatever we can. And let me end our time with the, these words. So at the end of all this that Paul was talking to us about, this is what he says. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that you'll strengthen us as we go from this place. I pray that you'll bring strength to Roman and Angelica today for Victoria and Sophia as they go on Thursday. Use them powerfully to bring relief, just even a little bit of relief. But Lord, you are the God who helps us in our time of need, and I pray that you'll bring that help. And help us to live the light that is in us this week, and that we would be able, through our good works to you, our faithfulness and walking in goodness, righteousness, and truth will bring people to Jesus this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
God bless you, my friends. If you need help with anything, come on down here. We are here to help you with any spiritual need you have. Thank you for joining our worship service today. Our prayer is that God is using the worship and the message to inspire you to love him, love people, and influence the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or would like somebody to pray with you, you can let us know by clicking the connection card link. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app where we post upcoming events and announcements, and you can share this week's message with a friend. You can also check out our website at fbcelkart.org to stay connected with us. God bless, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.